from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio. KXNO AM Des Moines. KXNO FM Ankeny. KKDM HD2 Des Moines. On iHeartRadio Station, now number one for podcasting. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio. This is Des Moines Sports Station. 1460. KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Two, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO, one hundred six point three FM. Zubin Mahente coming up in about twenty minutes. We'll get Zubin in here, ESPN Radio, ESPN Sports Center. He's been back on TV over the holidays, back on radio here with uh, his team doing mornings on ESPN Radio. Right now, let's head to uh, the state of Texas, shall we? Austin Chip Brown, uh, of course, Chip uh, all over the Texas story, whether it be Big Ten, re- Big Twelve, rather realignment back. Uh, 10 years or so ago, and then uh, got credit for breaking the new hire, Steve Sarkeesian, once the Herman news broke. Uh, Chip Trent Condon, this is Ken Miller. Good to catch up with you again, Chip. How you? I know you're busy, but other than that, how are things going? Hey, uh, what a new year, right? Yeah. I mean, no, uh, no break. All gas, no break. Indeed. So, on the shock factor, Chip, I mean, this has kind of been, I, I guess, li- reading your stuff and listening to some of the uh, other writers that cover Texas football, this has kind of been whispered about after signing day that just because Herman was seemingly given the vote of confidence didn't mean that he was necessarily going to be in place uh, once the uh, spring football started. Did it? How big of a surprise was it to you that the, the move was made? Well, it wasn't as much of a surprise to me, but it was probably a surprise to a lot of Texas fans and just college football fans in general. Um, but this, uh, it, it became a character study, um, Tom Herman, this year. And it started back in October when the football um, was got off to a bad start, the, the one and two start, the losses to TCU in Oklahoma. Uh, the controversy over the eyes of Texas, the school song, oh, sure. and the football yep. team not standing together. That angered uh, a lot of prominent donors um, more than the football. Uh, they felt like Tom Herman was not doing his best to have the team stand together, that he wasn't you know, buying into the traditions at Texas. And, and they started to question him as a leader of young men more than as a football coach. And that's when the flirtation with urban Meyer started. And when that started back in October, they started vetting others. You know, they vetted Steve Sarkeesian, they vetted Matt Campbell, they vetted um, James Franklin. And, and I think it got to the point where the big money guys and the top of the administration felt like they couldn't go on with Tom Herman anymore. And it was, I mean, it's a $25 million decision because mm-hmm. his buyout's $15 million, his coaching staff is $9.6 million, and that's a big deal in a pandemic. Um, but it became about Tom Herman, the leader, 
more so than Tom Herman, the coach. And I think Chris Del Conte, when he put out that vague statement reiterating Herman as coach before signing day in December, um, I think at that time, Del Conte probably thought they were going to bring Herman back, but I think uh, some more information came to them. Um, I think there were, you know, some some interviews done with people inside the program that they just didn't feel good about Tom Herman anymore. Mm, interesting. It's also interesting you mentioned that, uh, that Del Conte uh, vetted uh, Matt Campbell. Did, was there contact there, do you think, between Campbell's people and, and Texas? How, how far along did it get uh, from what you've been able to learn, if at all? Yeah, I don't think it got to the point of conversation. Um, I think Texas was having Sean Eichhorst, one of Del Conte's deputies, do the vetting. Um, and so I'm sure there was probably some intermediaries, you know, engaging of interest and that kind of thing. But I don't think it got very far with Matt Campbell. Um, you know, Steve Sarkeesian was a name I heard right away, mm-hmm. and then I heard it again at the SEC about the time of the SEC championship game. That certainly perked my um, radar, and then it it kind of kept going. I mean, it. I think Steve Sarkeesian was a guy who they talked to Nick Saban, they talked to Alabama's athletic director, and they felt like it was the right time for Sarkeesian. After his public humiliation, getting fired at USC in 2015, and then having served as an offensive coordinator in the NFL and working for Saban for the last two years, um, everything they were hearing back was, okay, brilliant offensive mind who can you know, keep up with Lincoln Riley and their hopes and and a guy who's got some scars. One quote told to me was he's got some scars on his heart that are going to make him a better coach now than he was when he took over at Washington at the age of 33. Wow. Uh, Certainly high hopes there. What's different? What what is bringing Sark in? What changes – how different can things be? Because when Tom Herman was hired, most people believed this was going to be the guy that was going to get Texas back to being Texas football. What's the belief how Sark is going to be different than Herman? Well, I think um, the feeling is that Sark will surround himself with a with a top-notch staff. And if you're if there's a knock on Herman, it's that he brought his his staff from Houston when he had a chance to really upgrade. Um, he didn't do that until year three. I mean, he did it last off season, and it ended up biting him because of the pandemic and the lack of ability for that new staff to bond probably contributed to the slow start this season. And then the team did get better. I mean, they had a 10-point lead on Iowa State midway through the third quarter, a couple of questionable fourth-down decisions by Herman yep. um, helped to – unravel that lead and you know it um i think when they look at Sarkeesian, they look at a guy who's ready to bring in 
you know, a top-notch staff. Now we got to see it. We got to see who he brings in. Who's going to be the defensive coordinator? Every offensive-minded head coach is going to be made or broken by the by the defensive coordinator, and and so, you know, we'll we'll wait and see. But it was a twenty-five million dollar gamble by Texas to to upgrade, and we'll see if that ends up being the case. Fascinating stuff, and you're a chip, and you are all over it. Twenty four seven sports dot com. Uh, you can follow Chip on Twitter at Chip Brown uh, two forty seven. Well, basketball tonight, and uh, it was it's kind of ironic, as some people pointed out on Twitter. Uh, Shaka Smart had arguably his biggest win in his uh, in his time uh, with the Longhorns on Saturdays. He picks off Kansas on the road, yet it was overshadowed mightily by the by the football news. And we get it; it's a football school, but the basketball team is playing exceptionally well. What's behind the turnaround uh, with Shaka Smart's squad this year as they find themselves uh, very highly ranked and a an overwhelming favorite tonight as they take on Iowa State on the Longhorn Network at seven o'clock. What's behind this uh, resurgence of Long? Horn basketball. How about that? I mean, right. that that's truly one of the better stories of the of the new year. Because um, Saka Smart to me just seemed overwhelmed at Texas, but he has recruited well, and he's got three veteran guards who are running this team: um, Courtney Ramey, Matt Coleman, Andrew Jones, and. They've added, you know, significant talent in the front court with Kai Jones and, of course, freshman Greg Brown, who really did nothing in that Kansas game, which is amazing. Because Greg Brown has been um, just an incredibly dynamic presence on that team. I think he's energized the team, uh, brought them more of a team energy, believe it or not, as a as a freshman who's most likely a been done. Those typically have not gone well for Shaka. He's had Mo Bamba and Jared Allen. I don't even think he realized Jackson Hayes was <laughs> as as talented and and you know as much of a player as he was. Uh, but he does recognize that with Greg Brown. They're running stuff for him. They're running stuff for Kai Jones. And you know Texas is a long, athletic, bouncy. Um, team that likes playing together and this is this is the first time we're really seeing this from Shaka Smart and it's, it's been impressive I want to give the guy credit because um, Lord knows it's been a disappointment for the first five years but this year my my goodness um, now we got to see how they play with expectations I mean it's certainly off to a good start you go into Allen Fieldhouse and win 84 to 59 almost set the record for you know, margin of of uh, defeat for Kansas in that building. Mm-hmm. Now let's see if they can sustain it. It's it's always going to get harder once you go the second trip through the conference. Of course, we're just getting into conference play here, but this is a team that has a lot going for it, and and they like playing together. And their defense is the key. They're just locking people down. They have great perimeter defense with their guard play, and then they have rim protection behind it with Greg Brown and, and Kai Jones so and Jericho Sims. So it's, it is a, it's a handful of a team. They're fun to watch. And on the defensive end, and they got some guys that can make some, make some shots. You know, they've had some good defensive teams. The offense hasn't always been there. 
question that continues to come up for some Cyclone fans that have been so enamored with football. Maybe that'll be the first time they'll see Shaq on the sidelines with the hair. So tell us the hair stories he grew it up during the pandemic. <laughs> I mean, it's so funny because he's always shaved his yeah. head. I mean, it, it seems like that's all we've known from the time he was at at VCU, and and he he grew it out. The players, you know, told him how much they liked it, and then as the season has progressed, they've said there's no way you can cut the hair. Everybody's joking that it's he's like Samson. <laughs> um, the, the strength of of this Texas basketball team is coming from Shaka's hair. I mean, it's kind of funny, but, um, you know, it's, it's good to see Shaka and, and his team relating and connecting and playing better because everybody likes Shaka. You know, he's a good guy. He's a guy that I think the administration likes as a leader of men. If we're going to talk in those terms, we were just talking about that. With regard to Tom Herman, they didn't feel good about Tom Herman. As a, as a role model and a leader of, of young men, they do feel that way about Shaka, always have, even though the record hasn't been there. And now to see it finally come together in, in year six is, is something else. A lot of times you, they're not that patient, but um, it's happening, and now we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, last thing for you, Chip, and we appreciate you coming on. Uh, you, you've covered the Big 12 for, for a long time. Uh, you've seen Iowa State for a long time. Uh, just what they were able to do, from your perspective, the season that they had culminating with getting to a Fiesta Bowl and then convincingly winning a Fiesta Bowl, uh, biggest win in school history, uh, from a Texas perspective, and a guy who's covered the league for a long time, your thoughts on what Iowa State and Matt Campbell did this year? Well, I think Matt Campbell is, I mean, they're going to build a statue for him there. I mean, if he, if, if he wants to be Bill Snyder at Iowa State, he will be. I mean, I think he's um, a, phenom- a phenomenal coach. I love the hire when, when it was made. You know, kudos to, to Jamie Pollard on that. And it's clear that, you know, he loves what he's got going there. And... You know, you hear he's a Midwestern guy, maybe a Big Ten job, Ohio State or something like that. But maybe he's maybe he is Bill Snyder. Maybe he comes to realize, you know what? I'm beloved here at Iowa State. Every time we we have a eight win season, nine win season, it's a it's a record year. And what they were seeking their first conference championship since 1912. I mean, when you're breaking that kind of ground and, um, you know, resetting the bar at a, at a school that has a great atmosphere on game days. You know, some have said Iowa State's the closest thing to an SEC atmosphere um, in the Big 12. And, I mean, there, there's a lot going for Matt Campbell there. And, and if he likes the grind and the, the recruiting, the development, of players, um, would it be easier at a place like Texas or Ohio State to to bring in talented players? Sure, but if you have the formula and you know how to find those players and you know exactly what you're looking for, then you don't need to be at one of those places. And if you're enjoying it and, you know, clearly the fan base um, has a love affair with Matt Campbell, then 
maybe he is Bill Snyder. Maybe he, maybe he makes it a career at, at Iowa State. I kind of hope that's the case mm-hmm. because I think it's a great story. I like watching his teams play. They're well coached. They're, you know, he, he's figured out some ways to make them a tough matchup um, by recruiting different kinds of players. And, and so I think it's phenomenal what what happened what has happened under Matt Campbell and it's you know we're seeing players transition out and the the success continue and that's the key um can you continue to recruit and build and sustain success it's it's one thing to get there it's another thing to sustain it and we're seeing Campbell sustain it and I think it's it's a phenomenal story in the Big 12. Indeed it is. Uh, you've got great sources, Chip Brown. Congratulations on breaking the Herman and the Sark uh, thing you did this past week. And thanks for taking our call. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Chip Brown. We'll uh, talk to you down the road. Anytime. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Good to talk to you. Chip Brown, 24-7 sports. Uh, good hit there on Chip Brown. So it sounds like there was, at least behind the scenes, some mm-hmm. vetting. I don't know how far it got. Yeah. But it's- if might be just a background check. I mean, that could be as simple as that. Here's your list. Look into these guys. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, and I'm I'm with him. Maybe he is Bill Snyder. I know. I know. There's a whole bunch of folks in Story County and Central Line and spread out through the state that hope indeed that is the case. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I hope he is too. Look, it's great to have success. It's great yes. to talk about a team that has success. It's way better covering Iowa State when they're doing this. One As thing uh, three and nine. I mentioned to you yesterday, and we never uh, got time to talk about it. I, I was thinking about you during the second half of the Fiesta Bowl, and you watch every single minute of every single game. Cyclone fans, during the past 20, 25 years since you've been doing this, missed a football game. There was that November game where it didn't matter. And you know what? we got to do something. You watched every single one of them. And I know you're not a fan, and you hate being pegged a fan of one or the other. You watched a lot of crappy football. <laughs> and that was a payoff for you. For some of those Kansas-Iowa State yeah. November games that you sat through, 2-9 and nine versus 1-8, and eight, and you were there watching the whole thing. And I thought of you a little a call. bit. We might get a call. Something might happen. I want to be... I, I'm with you. Look, I was openly rooting for Iowa State for their fan base to have success. Mm-hmm. I love the Campbell story. I do. I hope they stay there on where they're at in the pecking order. I hope Cyhawk is as competitive as it's been. Now, Campbell's got some skeletons. He has beat Ferentz. Right. They struggle in week number one. There's still some things for him to do there. I hope he stays there and accomplishes them. It's better for business, right? And this is our business. Both of them being good Absolutely. is a good thing. No question about it. Is it difficult for both of them to be good at the good time? That's a conversation we'll have yeah. this summer, I'm sure. But in the here and now, two good teams. Hopefully, two good teams going forward, but it's been that way the last few seasons now. That is indeed. All right, Zuba Mahente is next. It's time for another $1,000 slam dunk. Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. BILLS to 200-200. Zubin Mahente next. Miller in Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. We are Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 AM, and now 106.3 FM. This is KXNO. 
Trek Condon here to let you know my good friends at Renner's Warehouse are in heavy demand right now in Des Moines for three reasons. One, the rental market is booming. People rent during uncertain times and homes are getting leased fast. Two, with professional video marketing and self-showing technology, Renner's Warehouse meets all healthy and safety guidelines for our social distancing world. And three, with regulations changing so quickly, more people are learning that using an experienced property manager is far less stressful than trying to do everything yourself. Now is not the time to DIY or mess with inexperienced property managers. For a low, flat monthly fee, Renner's Warehouse will take the grunt work off your plate with no upfront fees and no paperwork or 3 a.m. maintenance calls. Plus, they can help you turn your part-time rental into a full-time cash flow machine. And if you're a real estate agent, they're offering cash payments for referrals. Go to Renner'sWarehouse.com to book your free home rental price analysis today or call 515-528-4429. That's 515-528-4429. Renner's Warehouse, Des Moines. You'll always 1-800-GAMBLER. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. And welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Cubs like Colin Rako. He's going to find a home somewhere, right? Apparently, the rumors from um, our buddy who listens over in eastern Iowa, Guttenberg, uh, says Japan. Oh, really? He's going, we'll, we'll see. You know, he's worked for a pretty low salary for a guy that even has his kind of accomplishments. I wonder. I thought he was going to be the five guy. Certainly a bullpen Chance guy. to make a lot more money, though. Might be it. And could be it. Hit that bankroll when he can. Yep. Absolutely. Zuba Mahente from ESPN. He joins the program in his normal spot. We're grateful for that. Zubin, happy new year. How are you? Same to you guys. Ready to go Monday night. Ready to go, I guess, tonight for the Heisman. And then Monday night and the uh, strangest college football season on record will be over. But uh, pretty good. How are you guys? Doing well. You know, um, just the Heisman, it's a quarterback award, but I don't think it's going to a quarterback this year, Zubin. I don't. And, like, I think Trevor Lawrence is the best player in college football, um, but you know what? I can certainly understand why people would vote for Devontae Smith because he is a game changer uh, in an offense and from a school that has yearly game changers. He is special. Doesn't it seem like he's going to be the one uh, that gets the trophy tonight? It really does. If you take a look at all the straw polls out there, he is dominating and winning the straw polls. And over the years, that has been a pretty good indication of who is going to win. You could even make the argument. We've been discussing this uh, for a bit as we get ready for Monday night and the semifinals uh, over the last weekend. You can make an argument that Alabama's best player is Jalen Water, you know? Yeah. And the fact <laughs> that he actually is practicing, he practices, mm-hmm. um, and it's possible that he might go in the championship game next Monday, which I think turned a lot of heads. But the bottom line, I think that's the stat I saw was, you know, with Jones and Devontae Smith and Najee Harris, they've got three of the top five, no matter how it shakes out. I think Army in 1946 was the last school to have three guys finish in the top five. Uh, First wide receiver winner since, 
Dez, if it happens. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, the only modern-day wide receivers that have won, Desmond Howard, Tim Brown, Johnny Rogers. That's 87 for Brown, I think 72 for Rogers. Um, I don't even think there's been a Heisman finalist at wideout since D.D. Westbrook in 2016. So it could be really, really big uh, for Alabama if they can get it done. In an 11-day span, they could win a semifinal game, win a Heisman Trophy, and win a title game. Mm. It's a pretty good 11 days to start of 2021. Let's talk a little bit about that national championship game, Zubin, as we get ready for it. And felt almost necessary in a way, just getting away from Alabama-Clemson to Southern Universities and taking away that regional appeal that makes college football so great. Ohio State, it's not like his new kid on the block here, but at least a little bit of upper Midwest flavor to it. Your thoughts, what we're going to see next Monday night? Man, they needed that. They yep. really needed that sort of matchup. And you know, we were discussing it with Kuiper this morning on the show. Um, you know, for, for somebody like Justin Fields in this particular game, you know, uh, he had struggled against Indiana, quote-unquote struggled. And then, obviously, Big Ten Championship game wasn't a great performance. And people sort of knocked him down a peg. And over the last couple of days, everybody that's come on our radio program, I've asked them, I said, help me understand this. If you're willing to knock Justin Fields down a peg uh, because of the way he played against Indiana or the way that they played against Northwestern in that Big Ten title game, even though they were missing about 23 guys, um, conversely, if you have a all-time game in the All-State Sugar Bowl, one of the great performances in the seven-year history of the college football playoff, and you do so against the guys that supposedly had separated from you in the draft conversation and as NFL guys all over the field, shouldn't it be enough to get Justin Fields right back up there? And I think I got a mixed bag. You know, Mel seems to certainly still think it's all Trevor Lawrence. So I think there's individual motivation there for Justin Fields. I mean, all this talk about maybe even having Zach Wilson over him where does Trask fit? Where does Jones and Lance fit? Um, but it's one of those situations where I think there's individual motivation a ton for Justin Fields here. Um, what, did, what did Mel say this morning? He said that he thought in the semifinal game that Justin Fields had more riding on one game. This would be the semifinal win over Clemson. He had more riding on one game than any prospect he's thought about in the last 15 or 20 wow. years that could have really helped himself mm-hmm. or hurt himself in one game. So I think all the attention is going to be on Alabama and what they're going to be able to do. Sark's last game. Is this Alabama's best team? Uh, under Saban. All that's there. But I do think there's a tremendous amount of, I wouldn't call it pressure, but there's a tremendous amount of stake here for Justin Fields as far as the next level goes. Being an Ohio State legend is one thing, winning the championship, putting yourself in that group with Cardale Jones and others. Um, but to get yourself into a situation where you can really position yourself for, for the draft in April. It sounds silly on, on Championship Monday, but I think there's a lot riding on it, a lot riding on it for Justin Fields. Yeah, it's gonna be, I think it's going to be a hell of a game. Trent and I uh, disagree with the point spread, which is good. Uh, I kind of like Ohio State in the points after what I saw, and I loved Clemson going into that game, but they sure as hell, the Buckeyes made a believer out of me. Zubin, I'm anxious to uh, to uh, find out what how Keyshawn Johnson and some of your NFL people that you've spoken with, and I know it's only been, you only had two shows after Sunday night, uh, what what their opinion was on uh, on how uh, Doug Peterson and the Eagles handled the the final quarter uh, of the game against the uh, the football team with with all the stakes on the line, Washington needing to win, and they were winning, but but Hertz was you know he was moving the Eagles up and down the field. Um, 
good for Joe Judge for coming out and, and saying what he said. I agree with him. What was the consensus amongst the NFL players as to what Philadelphia did? I think that it cuts to the integrity of the league. I really do. Um, this wasn't like it was two non-playoff teams playing out the string. Who cares? There was a lot to play for. I hated the way uh, it ended. What was the consensus from the NFL folks you've spoken to regarding Sunday Night Football's finish? I'm with you, but the majority of people that have come on our show, including T, um, absolutely, I think they were they they were laughing at what Joe Judge said, and I I kind of agree with where you are, um, but. He really seemed to believe two things. Um, one, uh, the Eagles should be looking out for nobody else but the Eagles. And whether you do believe that, you know, he was trying to win the game, as he said, and, you know, if that was the case, why would you replace Jalen Hurts as such a seldom-used player? Although Peterson himself said, look, you know, Brandon Graham was still in the game. Zach Gertz was still in the game. Um, whatever you think about that, Keyshawn really seemed to believe two things. One, that... The Eagles should only be looking out for themselves. And if this was trying to go from the ninth pick to the sixth pick, or if this was just trying to go for a level of self-preservation, obviously Wentz being a healthy scratch opened this thing up to a whole level of criticism that ordinarily wouldn't have been there. You know, Keyshawn this morning said, you know, um, people are questioning Doug Peterson today, and obviously including Joe Judge with Joe's comment on Monday about what Peterson did Sunday night. But he basically said, you know, the Steelers pretty much did the same thing. You know, the Steelers sort of laid down against the Browns, and nobody's saying Mike Tomlin has never Mm, been out there to win. People are really questioning Doug Peterson and his motives, but nobody would question Mike Tomlin and his ability to win or being straightforward. And obviously the Chiefs and the Chargers was a little bit of a different situation because win or lose, nothing was going to happen uh, to the Chargers. Uh, but the Browns are in a different situation, and obviously uh, the Washington football team is in a different situation with regards to being winning and getting in. So his point was uh, he has to do everything he has to do for himself and for the organization. Over the weekend, the organization said he was going to return for 2021, probably another reason to do whatever he could to get back in the good graces of the organization, the executive vice president, Howie Roseman, the owner, Jeffrey Lurie. And the second thing that he said was, um, you know, which is one thing that I think many, many, many people have said, which is to say that, uh, you know, um, you know, if you really uh, want to get the division crown, if you're the Giants, just don't be a 6-10 and 10 football team, right? I mean, I think that's the most obvious point of all. They had that three-game losing skid. Remember, they started 0-5 and 1-7, and, and, and then when Jones got the hamstring injury, they had the three-game skid. Um, but he essentially said, look, you know, uh, nobody's going to feel bad for a 6-10 and 10 team crying wolf and saying something is unfair. Obviously, they would have been the only six-win division champion in the history of the NFL. At least that Seattle team was 7-9. and nine. The Carolina team, coached by Coach Rivera, was 7-8-1, and one, which is interesting, right? The last two under-500 teams to make the playoffs have both been coached <laughs> by Ron Rivera. Jeez. So uh, he just said, listen, you know, the Eagles got to do what's best for the Eagles, and uh, the Giants have nobody to blame. Uh, but themselves, because if you're a six-win team asking for an unreliable team to help you, uh, you kind of get what you deserve. So, uh, new guy coming to Chicago from your stomping grounds, ESPN. Can you tell us any stories about Boog Shambi, the new play-by-play broadcaster for the Cubs? You know, I think Boog is amazing. I had actually only ran into him in person sign at the time. He's been calling baseball games here uh, at ESPN when we stopped traveling, and I ran into him. Uh, in the summer uh, on campus. And I had one of the last people you'd ever expect to meet in person. 
uh, because for a long time we were calling a lot of games from campus, but we were not calling Major League Baseball from campus. So I think he's done a great job. I actually think he's been one of the most underrated college basketball guys we have as well. You guys probably watch him a lot doing the Big 12 and all that. Him and Bob do a great job covering that league. But, you know, John has been doing Sunday Night Baseball on the radio for a really long time. And, you know, you could argue our top two guys in the radio, I think they're as good as anybody. Dan Dan Schulman is still calling the World Series on ESPN Radio and doing some, as I'm sure you know, Ken, some Blue Jays games on the side. And John has been just terrific um, on the radio as well. He's obviously done a lot of Monday night, Wednesday night. Um, So I think it's just a great opportunity. I know at first it was Chris Myers, and there was a lot of intrigue on, Mm -hmm. you know, who was going to be Getting that job, uh, the face of the network is a buddy of mine, Cole Wright. He used to work at ESPN as a sports center anchor. Actually, I mentioned this to uh, to Trent way back in the day. He played baseball at Morningside, by the way. So you ever need that Iowa connection to try to get him on? He played college baseball out there. I believe that's in Western Iowa. Am I right about that, Trent? Morningside? That's in like Sioux Western City, Iowa, yep. I'm pretty sure. Yep. So, um, so I think it's great for Boog. Opportunity to run into him. Um, and there's more and more guys that hopefully we'll be able to. I don't know, maybe you guys know this better than I do, but, you know, it would be great if he would be able to keep his ESPN responsibilities, which I, yeah. which I hope he will, because I think he's one of the best we got in college basketball and baseball. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more, and it sounds like he will. Jason Benetti, cross town, does the, does the White Sox, and, and he stays, uh, well, uh, he's got a, uh, him and uh, Walton make a pretty good tandem. Uh, on college basketball as well. Zubin, I, we have to ask you about Iowa State and the Fiesta Bowl. You covered Iowa State. You did cover them, I believe, during the, uh, uh, during the nine and three season. So you've seen them, you know, have some success. You've also seen them have some struggles, but Iowa State winning a New Year's six, a Fiesta Bowl in convincing fashion from someone who once covered the team, uh, way back, uh, your thoughts. I, the first thing I think, and I love Coach McCartney. I really do. But you have come so far from winning the second half. Can you remember yes, winning the I second half? Yes, I sure do. Yep, press this, conference. Trent, I'm sure you remember this. Mm-hmm. He would go to these press conferences. He's his press conference. I love Coach Mack. I know he's had some health concerns. I want to keep it very serious. But every Tuesday morning at 11 o'clock, Coach Mack would hold a press conference. He would go in there in a full suit, right, a full suit. And he would go, and he was terrific. But he would go out there every now and again and say things like, you know, well, we won the second half. To, to go from that type of statement to what you just saw uh, against Oregon was incredible. And I think it's one of those things where I've often said it. I mean, you know, I, you know, listen, I, for whatever you think about Jamie Pollard, this move and the Hoiberg move were brilliant. Brilliant. I, I know, the yep. Thurman move wasn't great. I mean, not everybody's going to hit 100% of the time. But you probably got a slam dunk higher in both sports. And when you look at it, I remember, you know, in 2016, when he took the job, um, you know, when he got the job, he said, and I think, I think I saw it in a Randy Peterson article, and it still rings true today. He's like, there's no reason we can't compete for a Big 12 championship. And every coach is going to say that on the way coming in. But this guy, outside of that first year, which I believe is going to be like a three and nine year, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just been great. And I think you have to look at it from the standpoint of, I think part of the reason, you know, I completely believe part of the reason that Tom Herman is not there anymore is because Tom Herman uh, never won the Big 12 championship. And it's cumulative, right? Max Brown probably stayed a little too long. Charlie Strong was the wrong hire. And he wasn't great. But if I'm a Texas big money booster, 
part of the reason Mac Brown, excuse me, part of the reason Tom Herman is gone is because they're looking over there in Ames, Iowa, and saying, Matt Campbell <laughs> is just coaching the daylight out of you, man. We have all the resources. We have all the players, all the facilities, all the money, all the clout, the Longhorn Network. We essentially kept the Big 12 from being patchwork, and this guy is just running circles around you. I'm not saying that's the reason he's gone. I think there's a lot of things there. But I think people realize on a national scale what this guy has been able to do, and you've seen it. The Jets are interested. A bunch of NFL teams are interested. Again, on the national scale, the college coach is gaining the most traction right now. It's Pat Fitzgerald for a combination of reasons, mostly because Pat's been you know, offered it before, and he's willing to listen now finally. But, I mean, on the national scale, people may not realize it. You guys realize it, obviously. But, uh, you know, if Matt Campbell were to end up with an NFL head coaching job, basically a half a decade after he got to Iowa State, an NFL head coaching job a half a decade after he got to Ames, I wouldn't be surprised. Mm, hope you're wrong, but just wouldn't right. be surprised. I'm with you. They're, they're uh, kicking tires. Zubin, we'll get you out on this. Saw your Rutgers team uh, play well against Iowa. Hell Hawkeyes, they got it done. Mm. Rutgers is really good. <laughs> We're going to see them in Indianapolis as we're going to see 67 other teams Mm -hmm. in Indianapolis. Your thoughts on the proactive measure by the College Basketball Committee, getting this thing, moving all the teams, and having the whole tournament in Indianapolis. Well, I'll tell you two things. One, first of all, can you believe Rutgers plus three? Again, they've done it again. It's unbelievable. Um, But I will tell you this. Um, Jay Jay mentioned this this morning. I wanted to get Jay's thoughts on it. He's really plugged in. He still talks to a lot of coaches. Coach K, obviously. uh, Jay Wright. He just talks to a lot of people. And uh, a couple of things. I like it. I mean, look, um, Jay actually believes, and I never thought about this at all. Jay believes that it could be a harbinger of things to come. I think it's actually a one-off. Obviously, technically, this year it is a one-off. But I think when everything is quote-unquote back to normal, whatever that means, normal, I think we're going to have everything at sites all over the place, and I think that's great for a place like Des Moines to get yep. it. Hartford got it where I used to live. Jay seems to think this could be a trial run for maybe just one city bidding for it Olympic-style the rest mm. of the way. I never thought about it like that. I don't think that would happen, but he's more plugged in than I am. I think this is a great move for a variety of reasons in the short term. The NCAA is headquartered in Indianapolis. This is boots on the ground. They need to be able to logistically monitor how this is going to happen. And I think from a proximity standpoint, it's great whether you're playing at Hinkle Fieldhouse, Banker's Life, Home of the Pacers, Lucas Oil Stadium, Assembly Hall. Uh, I think one other thing that's gone a little bit under the radar, um, and you guys have both been to Indy, it's actually an amazing place to have everything mm-hmm. from a walkability standpoint mm-hmm. once it gets down and narrowed. Uh, but the Division Two and the Division Three tournaments are also being played in the state of Indiana. So it's pretty amazing to think that this one state is going to step up, hold the 67 games that 68 mm-hmm. teams will play in, and then host the Division Two and three NCAA tournaments. Uh, state stepping up in a huge, huge way. Um, we'll see if it's a sign of things to come. I don't think it is, but I think this is probably the best choice in the short term, rumored for a long time, obviously made official. Uh, on Monday. I hope you're right, Zubin. I hope it does move around. And for the reason you just said, our fine city has, uh, and we got another one coming up. And I've had it twice. So that's great for Des Moines, great for cities like ours. It's going to be great for St. Elmo's Steakhouse this year. You will not be able to get in there uh, in Indianapolis. Zubin, thank you as always. Happy New Year again. We will talk to you next Tuesday and we'll be recapping a championship game uh, from the night before. Thank you, Zubin. Have a great week.
You too would have that shrimp cocktail when you're out there. Yeah, isn't it awesome? That sausage just blows your... Oh, it's so good. Unbelievable. Thanks, pal. See ya. See ya. Mahente. He's right. The shrimp cocktail sauce is... It's world famous. Horseradish, right? Yes. Yeah. It, it just... It, you put it in your mouth in about, I don't know, two or three seconds. Whoa. And it's a good whoa. Uh, we'll take a whoa and come back and finish up the program. Miller and Condon till noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO and 106.3 FM. 20 years ago, we started with the mission of becoming Des Moines Sports Station. We couldn't have gotten here without you. Thank you. From 1460 AM, 106.3 FM, KXNO. DraftKings Sportsbook has gone mobile. No longer are the days you have to drive to the casino to register for a mobile sportsbook. You can now do it from the comfort of your home. Football playoffs start this weekend to celebrate the most exciting time of the football season. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving you a chance to double your money? And all it takes is one touchdown to be scored in any of the three Saturday games? That's right, Ken. Just once uh, one touchdown. Once you opt in, place your bet. All you have to do is sit back and wait for a touchdown in any of those three games. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code KXNO when you sign up and have a shot at doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in one of those three Saturday football games. That's code KXNO for new players to get a shot at doubling their money for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years of old or older. Iowa-only restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-Roofing.net. Hi, Miller Condon. Final couple of minutes of the program. We know Tumbling Dice is your favorite stone oh, I like all of them, but Tumbling Dice is my favorite. What's two? Oh, boy. Because this is my favorite. Is it? It is. It's, yeah, pretty good. Um, yeah, I like them all, Trent. Satisfaction, maybe? Are you going to get be able to get back to a concert? You know who I really want to see? By the way, on what the thing this Christmas Eve uh, by ourselves, right? That's yep. A lot of people were. We taped the Bee Gees. Now, you're not a Bee Gees guy. I get that probably. Mm-hmm. But HBO, if you're my demographic age... Uh, it was, what's that new thing? HBO Max? Yep, yep. So they did a documentary on the Bee Gees coming over here. And again, I was into Saturday Night Fever. I'll admit that. I Did I, you have the big collars and everything? I don't think I did that. Bell bottoms? Probably the big shoes. For Were you dancing disco? See, I could dance. That's the thing. I'm not kidding you. So I would. <laughs> I was very popular going to the bars, except at the end of the night. Uh-huh. So I dance all night, and anyways, um, luckily, yeah. <laughs> well, my buddies are just sitting uh-huh. there on their ass watching me, and at the end of the night, they win. <laughs> um, but regardless of that, uh, but it was really, really good. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm going back to that genre, that era. I would see Elton John again. Mm-hmm. Um, Fleetwood Mac, except Stevie Nicks can't sing because yeah. of what she did to and all the coke she did. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see Fleetwood Mac of those of that kind of era bands. The summer, you you I get wanna, your, we you, want, yes. If you get your vaccine here, say in the next few months. Oh, I'm in. I'm a, I'm absolutely going to live life. I'm going to go see my son. Uh-huh. I've seen him in two years. Um, yeah, 
We look forward to doing a lot of those things. It's a big, big list. Yeah, like a lot of people. I think once, Trent, everything that this past, I think the country's going to go nuts. <laughs> I really do. You know, we, people kind of talk 1918 and the Spanish flu. And and that was coming out of World War One. Yes, forget, and the too, Roaring Twenties, right? are we? That's a great point. Will we be in the Roaring Twenties? I'd sign for that in a heartbeat. Everybody Sounds good would. to me. Indeed. All right, Murph and Andy at 2, the Fanatics at 4. I believe the Des Moines Register Cyclone Show is tonight with Heinz, Petey, and company. Take Alabama tonight. Lay oh, you like them. Who do they play? Florida. You have an opinion on Clones, Texas at 13 and a half? That thing's down to 12. Something funky's happening Iowa there. State's covering. We'll be Ooh. back tomorrow to talk about that. Miller and Condon, we're 10 to noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 and 106.3 FM.